Welcome back, listeners, to Season 1, Episode 3 of Hammerhead Wargaming. I'm your co-host, Eric. So, you've chosen an army and purchased your first kit. Now what? In today's episode, we will be talking about just that. We will be discussing what you will need when starting to build your models and getting them ready to paint. I will also be sharing what army I chose and why. Alright, let's jump right into the episode. Alright, this is episode 3 of Hammerheads Wargaming. I am Tom. I'm joined with Eric and Hunter. Hello! Um, Hi! Yep. Uh, if you were here for the intro, you know what's about to happen. So uh, I think we should just go ahead and get into it. I'm we're really finally, excited about this episode. We finally roped him into it. Like, we have finally gotten him to to decide on what he wants to do. I feel like I'm advancing so far ahead now. Not only do I pick an army, but I have an idea of who they are, what they are. All the good stuff. So Honestly, yeah. I mean, I think it's really cool. So, okay. So, tell us, what did you choose? Okay. Um, <laughs> so, with... Okay, so I want to tell you what my, my close second was first. So, do you think you know what my close second was, Hunter? Yep. I do. Okay, let's hear it. What do you think it was? Harlequins. Yeah. You guys are good. You guys are good. You know <laughs> me really well. But um, well, I decided... Yeah. I decided on the uh, the emo space marines in Raven Guard, and right. um, I'll tell you why. Uh, so not only is it because of their stealth, precision, their guerrilla warfare tactics, uh, being like hit and run artists, stuff like that, uh, which I freaking love about playing RPG characters. Um, they're also like I'm like an OG emo guy, anyways, or emo kid. So their their style. All of that just seemed to call to me, and I was like, "This is exactly what I want to uh, get into this this hobby with." And I was like, "This is this is the perfect thing for me." So now you know. So what I would like to know now is: so I've chosen uh, what army I want to play with. Um, so what do we do now? I have a kit ready to go, and uh, it's still in the box. Where okay, so do I take this from here? What kit did you get? Because let's, let's go from there, because I, we can... So there's three... A couple of... Well, there's not three. There's a ton of different ways to do this. Um, so if you did it by the single model kit, or not single model, but single squad box or however, it, yeah. it's, it's still a good way to do it. It's just... Sometimes okay, so, it might be a little bit harder. So right now, I have a single squad kit, and I also went on and dropped a little bit more money on it and got the Shrike figure... Awesome. Oh, nice. So um, yeah. I thought that that like that that just like I don't know. I feel like I'm going to be listening to My Chemical Romance as I build that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you did you hey did you check out because you had asked I had talked to you about the uh, the upgrade sprue a oh, couple yeah. of weeks ago. Did you look at those and <laughs> yeah. look at those head? Yeah. It's like My Chemical Romance in that box. Yeah. Uh, cool. So you got Shrike. So you've got a good leader and mm-hmm. you got a single squad box. Which I'm, I'm guessing it's probably intercessors. Which is fine. Um, uh, intercessors, of course, you can just you build them. Just they're the, they're your generic space marine models now, uh, and you'll build them either with uh, bolts, bolters, or I think it's assault bolters. They have like a drum mag uh, on them. Yeah. Um, 
And then one in every five can have an auxiliary grenade launcher. And then as far as that goes, the sergeant, of course they've updated and I would have to look at it. I'm not looking at it right now, but I believe the sergeant can have a bolt pistol, a bolter, and then his choice of a power fist, power sword, chain sword, and he might have another option. Uh, that being said, actually, they just released on Friday the index, the downloadable index cards for 10th edition for Space Marines. Yeah. I didn't even get into, I think I got to the Reavers, which is another kit that I really enjoy. Uh, and it was, I was on like page 80. And I wasn't even, I mean, that's, that's not even done yet kind of deal. Uh, but anyway, so those are available if you guys uh, want to download those so you can see, because on the index cards, it does have a list of uh, available war gear for the units. Uh, so that's kind of nice. So you can see what they're supposed to have. Mm -hmm. But that is a good way to start out. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, there are other ways to start any army. Honestly, if you do it by the squad box, it's kind of cool because you can just go from, all right, I got a squad at Intercessors. Mm -hmm. And then you can get whatever you want afterwards. Yeah, um, that's kind of what I was going to do. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I could, with using Raven Guard, since they're part of the, the Space Marines, I can still, I can intertwine a little bit, right? Like You, you can. Yeah, uh, you okay. just would have to do it as like, I don't know how it's going to work for 10th edition. Because I just, I don't know. Because we don't have the rule book. I don't know how it's really going to work. And we'll we'll get to that uh, maybe next episode and, and figure look at that. Yeah. But... Um, the way it used to work was that it would technically count as a second army because you'd have to have a leader and a group of guys essentially for one army, and then you would have to have another leader and another group of troops or another group of guys so that you would have another army. So if you wanted to do Raven Guard and then swap it up and do another one as Blood Angels or Salamanders or whatever, you can. You would just have to have a separate leader for them so that there's a because it's a technically a separate army if that yep. makes sense so something that i haven't really looked into yet is it if i were to play kill team with raven guard could i just use a smaller army and just run with them specifically or does it work differently than that it's, it's really kill team would be like the squad so you would be good for kill team right that's now. what i was yeah. thinking yeah yeah with what you have right now that would be perfect for kill team you can make uh, a whole kill team squad with what you've got in that intercessor box. You can't use strike, but you can use the kill team or mm -hmm. yes for the thing. I just I, I, I got strike just because it looked awesome. Like yeah. I was like I gotta get this anyways. Yeah, only thing extra you would really need for kill team is just the kill team books. Yeah, but as far as models, you're good to go. Yeah, which I do want to. Um, I don't know necessarily at some point in one of these episodes, I do want to look at the rules for kill team and for Warhammer or for the new 40 K mostly because those are the kind of the things that you're also going to need to know after now that we've gotten through, how do you start this kind of thing? So, yeah, but that's neither here nor there for right now. So, um, have you thought about where to go after this box? No, that's been, this was, uh, you know, I had two weeks to kind of make a decision and uh, make a purchase. And this is, you know, towards the end of last week is whenever I did this, or I guess this week, depending on like last 
Thursday was whenever I did this. That doesn't make any sense to anybody listening, but you get it. Yeah, I do. I get it. Um, cool, 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 cool. So, have you gotten all of the tools that you need? No, that's why we are. I figured we discussed that today because what I've been what what I want to do is learn as we progress in this podcast. So <laughs> I don't I don't want to get too far ahead because I want this to be as natural as possible. Perfect, gotcha. and that's that's fine. So you haven't gotten any of the tools and that kind of stuff. But okay, I so have, real quick, I do want to ask, why is that a? Um, Hill. Sorry. Uh, okay. I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, uh, never mind my question. Let's just go on. Probably a good idea. I, if you're yeah, a member, just come back to it. Is. Yeah, yeah right. come back. Uh, yeah. Write it down. <laughs> write it down. Stupid brain fart. <laughs> anyway. All right. So. Who wants to take? Who wants to teach me? So, I've got my kit. What do I need now? All right. One thing you'll need is a set of nippers or clippers, whatever you want to call them. Um, anybody that's built models before will know what these are. It's this little, uh, you know, little tool that you use to take them off the sprue. Uh, my first pair was the Citadel Fine Detail clippers or whatever um which they're good but as i've progressed into different types of models and stuff uh, i found a few that are supposedly a little bit better i haven't tried them out yet but my recommendation my first recommendation if you're willing to spend well this is about the same price as the old nippers but hunter if i'm not mistaken the new ones are a little bit cheaper right about twenty dollars Mm, honestly, let me look. Come back to that. Okay. Well, the old version of the Citadel nippers were about $30, $35. And they um, were actually really good, too. They were good, but I don't believe they make those anymore. I think they were replaced with this newer version. Anyway, for about the same price, there's a Chinese company uh, called Dispay. It's D-S-P-I-A-E. Uh, which within my research, I've found that it is, you know, very good quality tools. Um, they run about 35 to $40. And, um, I'm sorry, I'm distracted by Hunter. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, no, the new Citadel Clippers are $50. Fifty dollars. I would go ahead and say, do not buy those. Yeah, no. Uh, honestly, and, and I will give you. I'll be real honest. I have not personally used the new ones. I used the old school ones. I like my old ones. Their cutting edge was good and sharp. They were longer. They could get into small places. I do not like the way these look. Honestly, yeah, I, I so. and I've heard a lot I, of people I, say that they're not as good. Yeah, I think something that we could do for uh, new listeners who are getting into the hobby as well is maybe we might be able to put something together, just like a quick snippet on tools they may want to pick up, um, and we can post that on our Facebook page. Yeah, definitely. That sounds. We good. can definitely look at something, but yeah, I would not if uh, if you want to drop fifty bucks on something like this, 
that's perfectly yeah. fine. But I'm sure, for I'm that sure it'll price, work. <laughs> it will. But and, but for the price, I'm pretty sure, like what Tom was talking about, I think some of those are better. So I'm go ahead, Tom. Sorry, yeah. man. Oh no problem. Uh, from looking at other model building um, communities, one thing becomes apparent. I think the absolute gold standard in hobby nippers is a brand called God Hand. And their SN120 model, I believe it's the 120. Let me uh, verify that real quick. But it's God Hand. Let's see. SN120, they are on the pricier side for sure. So if you. Yeah, it looks like around 60 bucks. If you know you want the best of the best, it's the SPN120. Um. Multiple, multiple places I've done research. These are the best of the best. Uh, with that being said, the display pair that I mentioned just before that, other places I've looked at said they are almost as good, if not just as good, as the Godhand SPN120s, but for two-thirds of the price. So that's if you want to go a little mid to high range on your tools. If you're really just unsure if you're going to want to stick into this for the long term, you can go anywhere. You can go to Hobby Lobby. You can go to any hobby shop, even probably Walmart, and pick up a little pair of nippers for, you know, three to ten bucks. Yeah. So Now, that being said, be- the way that they look is it looks like it's a pair of side cutters. Yes. Do not <laughs> go to Lowe's and get side cutters. It looks like it. It is not the same. Yeah, they're uh, and one of the differences between the like say the Citadel and the cheaper versions, or the God Hand and Dispay and the higher end versions, is the um, the Citadel's a dual cutting dual blade, um, which kind of pinches the plastic, so you'll have a little bit more showing in the area where you cut the model off the sprue. Uh, the Dispay and the God Hands are a single blade cutter. So they have a blade and an anvil and it just kind of slices it. Um, and just the model of the display is the STA 3.0 single blade nipper. That's the one that I, I just got into the, in the mail uh, just a couple days ago, actually, but I haven't had a chance to use them yet. Okay. So when we're talking about using the nippers, but what we're talking about is removing the models from their little plastic, borderings and everything right. just so who's ever whoever's listening is if they get yes. confused on what that is that's what we're using this for yeah if you're looking yeah. at the game the games workshop sprue because that's what it's called is a plastic sprue with all the model pieces on there everything is connected by uh like where the mold goes in so yeah. where where everything is on there so that it holds it together and is able for shipping and all that kind of stuff packaging so when you're building the model, you're gonna of course you're gonna start by cutting them off at these particular spots. Yeah. And generally, what you have happen, especially with any of them, honestly, is when you cut them off at the spot, you will it, inevitably you're going to leave some of that sprue on the model. Right. And but the higher quality cutters that you have, the less likely you are to break them and what i mean break is you'll you'll see it like some of the plastic is is small enough that you could almost just pop it off yeah instead of cut it 
Yeah, so let's say let's say um, I go with like a mid to low grade set of nippers, and uh, it leaves. Uh, am I saying this right? The sprue. Was that that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Like the the mm-hmm. excess that would not be picked up by that. Um, would like a fine grade sandpaper help remove the rest of that, or do you need to stay away from that and do something else? No, no. Uh, if you wanted to get like, a, I mean, a very very high grit or yeah, low, I mean, low, you know what I mean. The yes. smoothest sandpaper that you can get. Yeah, you we're, not, to have we're a, not sanded rough wood. Exactly. No, no, no. You wanted to have a little bit of grit, just enough to almost polish it. You're looking yeah, to yeah. get the the because you'll also see a mold line where the two pieces of the the mold are put together when they inject the yeah. plastic in. So you'll see the mold line on some of it. So you, you want mm-hmm. just enough grit to get that mold line off. And you can do it with sandpaper. They also, different companies make uh, mold line removers. Citadel actually made and still does. I think it's still good. It's still mm-hmm. pricey because it's Games Workshop, but it's still a decent set, a decent mold line remover. And it's really, it's just a piece of metal honestly that it kind of has a bit of a sharpish edge on it it's not going to cut you it's not going to yeah. do anything else but it'll take that mold line off okay yeah um, I, would say, I think before mold line removers a lot of people would use exacto uh, knives or razor blades um that did not sound appealing to me so i would in my personal opinion i would recommend a mold line remover you can get the Citadel Tools mold line remover for twenty five dollars. Um, it's not as good as the old one. I'm like the old one looks exactly like their old, older version of their cutters. It's just that it and it, it was a little bit longer. I think I've I've seen and held this the new mold line remover, mm-hmm. and it's not as long. the uh, The grip on the new one is better uh, because a little bit more padded. But right. the metal piece that they that you use, I don't like it as much. But, but the uh, uh, the old you're not going to worry about cutting yourself with it or anything. It's it's not sharp, but it still has enough edge to kind of scrape into the plastic just a little bit. Yeah. Um, that is one. I, would, that I, would I wouldn't imagine that the the mold lines are incredibly thick or anything either. Sometimes not it on be. the new Can ones. It? Yeah, not on not on new models. Like if you get a new kit, like uh, anything that's released, you know, within the last mm-hmm. two years, it's not that bad. But some of the models that you might get that you you know randomly pick up to fill in holes, or they've been out for a while. Like if you get uh, the model kit, the Rhino, it looks like a tank, but it's a transport vehicle. That's an older kit, so some of the mold lines on it are a little bit worse than right. what you would get now. Okay, but that makes sense. Yeah, it's just a difference of how much technology and how uh, how and little how the molds put together. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. How the molds put together, how much technology was there when they built the mold, and how much. Uh, I'm sorry, the word I'm looking for uh, space in the gaps, basically that they can get. I can't think of the word anyway. Um, tolerance, the tolerance between top and bottom of the mold. Yeah. So it it just kind of depends. But yeah, so Moldline Murder is going to be your best friend. Uh, after that, files, if you want to get a small set of files, like mm-hmm. hobby files, which you can get at Hobby Lobby, you can get at any hobby store. Usually what, Tom, like a 10 pack? It's a pack of 10 or something like that for five bucks. Yeah, I think I got a pack of 12 uh, at Hobby Lobby for $6. 
That was the metal needle files. You can get plastic. You can get um, basically little rolled up pieces of sandpaper or glass files. Yeah. You can even use um, your wife's nail polish or nail buffer. You know, like the the rectangular thing. Yeah. Yeah. You can even use those. Those are perfect for it because you don't necessarily want to use the extremely aggressive end of one. But most of the time, all those nail files do is they have it's just high grit or low grit sandpaper and then usually a, a buffing side and that's all you yeah. really need you can use yeah. those we've got plenty of those around the house so. yeah just kind of smooth out the area that you're working with i like the needle files it might take a bit more um practice to get the desired result with those but uh they're they're not there's not a big learning curve just you know working with the angle and make sure you're not Sand, you know, going too deep into the plastic and things like that. Yeah, they also that's the one thing you want to watch out for. Yeah, um, uh, a tool that I would think would be, I would say, is optional. It's not going to be, uh, it's not going to be, you know, something necessary for everybody. But if you're more detail oriented, a little hand drill, um, which this will be. You know, Citadel again sells one of these. There, it's thirty-five dollars. You could buy one from Lowe's or Walmart for a lot cheaper. But uh, that would be mostly for um. Oh crap! I don't, I don't know what's going on. You're good. Just keep going. Yeah, you're uh, fine now. Um, the majority of what you would use that for is drilling out the barrels of the guns. Some people... Oh, a pin vise. Uh, Did you say what? that's what it was? It's called a pin vise. No, it's just a little hand drill. I mean, yeah. I, I, mean, I know what you're talking about, but they're called pin vices. Mm. Well, Citadel just calls it a drill. Yeah, they do. I'm just telling you. So... It's something. Oh, okay. Yeah. You, know, uh, but it, you could drill out the barrels to make them look like you know a little bit more realistic. Um, you would probably use it some if you're kit bashing, you know, to maybe put some added supports inside a, a structure if you're making something big or that wouldn't be very much supported. Uh, not necessary, but it just you want to get into. Yeah, they're also ex- really good if you get into the whole magnetizing your kids. Which, if you want to talk about, we can talk about. It. It's really super. It's not super needed, uh, but you can do it if you want to. So do this. Give me a uh, like two or three sentence explanation on what magnetizing your kit would look like. Or okay, is. so s- say you have a model that can take multiple different options, like uh, the sergeant, for example. He can take a bolt pistol in one arm, or a bolter, or he can take the chainsword, the uh, power fist, the thunder hammer, the, you know, the, all the, the range of power weapons and force weapons and things like that. So instead of picking what you want, you decide you want all of the options. Well, all you have to do is take that little hand drill, because pen vice is a stupid name, but whatever. You take the hand drill, you drill out the size of a, of a small uh, rare earth magnet, 
Yeah. And you put it in the wrist joint of the model. And then you do the same thing to the hand joint, wherever it joins, of the power fist or the sword or whatever. And you put another one there. And when you put them together, it snaps that option together and holds it. And it actually right. holds really well. And that way, if you, if like, say, you're a tournament goer or you decide to get in tournaments, well, two months ago, a power fist was what you needed to have on your sergeant to make that really cool and it worked really well and whatever. Well, now they've done some updates to everything. And now this month, the chain sword is the better option. So, right. well, now you, what are you going to do? You've got a power fist on this guy. Well, if you magnetize it, now you can take the power fist off and put the chain sword on and you're do and you're good to go. So it's an option that you can look at. It is not the most efficient thing to do because it does take a lot of time to do it, mm -hmm. yeah. but it is an so option. As a, as a starting out casual player, is it worth looking at right now? No, not okay. at all. Not at all. Unless you are doing something like big models. Like if you were going to do knights, yeah, that, then it would be an option to really go heavy on magnetizing because right. that way you can swap out so many different options, and yeah, they're all of, good options. Instead of being you know held to one choice or buying multiple, which you know a knights are, well, they were 160. Have they gone up? Uh, yeah, I think they're like 180. Was there 170 or 180? But that box will build. I think it's like six different versions <laughs> of the knight. Like you can't build yeah. all versions, yeah. but you can. You have the option for all of them. So it's not like you're getting screwed. There's a lot of plastic in that kit. So, but yeah, so it's just, that's another thing you can do with a hand drill if you want to. It's, it's, and it's not a necessary item starting out necessarily, but it, I will say this drill barrels look really good. So it's just, yeah, and that's, that's the opinion. Of a lot of people that have been in this for a long time, um, Drill barrels. I have not drilled any barrels. I do have a drill, and I plan on, you know, getting that out and doing it at some point. But um, another option, uh, something that Citadel put out, I wouldn't say it's necessity, but they do have a assembly stand. Uh, so it has little clamps that can hold pieces while you're gluing stuff together. Uh, the Citadel version is $27. I'm sure you, there's uh, probably other versions that you can get. Um, honestly, from from all my looking at this kind of stuff, theirs is the, the better version of things. Majority of what I've seen is uh, all uh, MDF like laser printed mm -hmm. or laser cut MDF, their plastic heavy base with uh, this ball and yeah. socket adjustable arm, honestly is probably the best thing out there. It's that's actually, that is worth it. Honestly, yeah. of all the hobby tools, that's worth it. I have not used one, but it looks like it could come in handy, especially for things that, Sometimes when you're gluing pieces together, they'll glue together right away. Sometimes if, you know, if it's something that there's a little extra stress, like it's hanging off the main structure of the model, it might not set right away. So you're sitting there having to hold it with hoping it doesn't move. So I think uh, that could come in handy for instances like that. 
Yeah, and it actually works. Even though it doesn't really look like it would, it they works. So I've got their first version of this when it was on like a paint handle ver- uh, thing. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. But uh, let's see, next we have to talk about glue. Uh, that's going to be the one of the necessities that you have to have. All of the newer models that Games Workshop is putting out for Warhammer 40K, Age of Sigmar, everything like that, they're all going to be plastic. So um, majority of the time you're going to be wanting to use plastic glue, which basically welds the two pieces together. It kind of, there's a chemical reaction to make the plastics melt and then it fuses together when it dries. Um, They do sell their own plastic glue. Um, it's overpriced, but I've used it. It's fine. Hunter has a different preference for plastic glue. Yeah, I prefer the Tamiya Extra Thin Cement, and that's what they call it. Uh, it's it's just plastic glue. It's the exact same thing as Games Workshop. Pretty much, it's the exact same amount. Uh, it's about half the price, if not less. Uh, and honestly, it's a little bit better because. Games Workshop's version of it comes in a bottle with uh, basically a needle sticking out of it, and you kind of have to, like, pour it and hope that you only get a little bit. And sometimes it comes too fast. Sometimes it doesn't come at all. Um, The Tamiya bottle is like a fingernail polish bottle. It's it's a little bit squatter and it's square, but uh, the top has a brush on it. So all you have to do is pull it out, brush it on. Elementary school... Arts and crafts rubber cement type model. Yes. Except this is the whatever chemical it is to make plastic melt. Uh, It is. It's great for using mostly because you can paint it on. And one of the other things that I noticed after I had it, I mean, I think I noticed the first time I used it when putting the model together. If you still have a bit of a gap, you can take that brush and run it through the gap and it'll actually seal that gap up. Yeah. So that makes it a little bit better. With with Games Workshop, if you saw that, you'd have to run the needle down it. The chances are it wouldn't get in the holes or in the gap so much as get all over it. And then you just have melted plastic. So yeah. and it's not so, gonna melt it a lot, but it's it's enough. You can definitely get some distortion on on places where you kind of mess up with the with the glue. Um and that's going to be expected at least once or twice, especially when you're getting started out. You're going to get it on your fingers. You fingers isn't a problem, but you know if you get you know, the wet glue on your finger and then touch the plastic, well, then you've got a mold of your fingerprint on your model. So, do you speak from experience there? A lot. <laughs> that's what you need to. That's another reason I like the files so much because you can let that dry go back over it and file yeah. it down to where it's not as noticeable. Um, uh, out of all my model building, I've always used the Citadel glue, which um, was about what, seven bucks a piece. I don't know if they've increased it recently. I hadn't bought any in a couple years. Um, I did just buy some of the Tamiya plastic glue that Hunter likes. I uh, ordered it online last week and I got two bottles, one regular plastic glue and one quick set plastic glue, and they were about $4 a piece. And they come with at least double the amount of glue in the bottles. Is it double? 
I thought it was about the same size. No, let me see. It's um, the Citadel plastic glue is 0.7 fluid ounces, whereas the Tamiya is uh, the Tamiya that you can get at Hobby Lobby is 40 milliliters. So, and of course, of course, yeah, Citadel doing conversions. Yeah, Citadel yes. plastic glue is point seven fluid ounces, or, or 20, twenty grams. So, grams to milliliters, and the survey says twenty grams is nineteen milliliters. So it is basically twice as much in the bottle of Tamiya. Okay. As it is in uh, GWs. So, so the, 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 the synopsis of this is that we, you can get glue for... You don't have to buy the Warhammer-specific glue. Correct. And, as much and, as they want you to, you don't have to. So we, something, something I'm curious about is, so what's, what's the cost difference between the two? Like, if you were going to get... like uh, Is it like a Games Workshop thing? Or is it... Um, that glue, or is that like, is there like a brand that is associated with them? I, I don't uh, know. What I'm trying to Citadel, exactly ask here. Citadel is the brand that would be associated with Games Workshop. Okay, that's what I was trying to figure uh, out. Yeah, yeah. This, I know everyone listening can't see this, but this is the bottle uh, that you get from Citadel. Okay, what's the about okay. seven or eight bucks for this? Seven or eight it's bucks. Seven seventy five. This was also eight dollars. And that's and 80 that's, milligrams, that's, milliliters. That's 80 milliliters of Tamiya. Yeah. And <clears throat> I'm sorry, it's getting distorted. I got something in my throat. The 80 milliliters of uh, Tamiya is the equivalent of uh, five, four or five of the Citadel plastic glue. Okay. So. You know, if you paid eight dollars for, you know, four or five versions, you know, four or five bottles of it, versus the eight dollars per p per bottle, right? You know, so that that's a little bit of cost savings. I mean, it's fine when you start out if you were, you know, and Tom and I did this, and I I hate that I did it. Oh no! Yeah, uh, when I started out. I was like, it's got to be all Citadel, everything. Yeah, yeah. And we did that with they, paint. We did it with glue, uh, sprue cutters, all of it. Every single bit of it. It had to be Citadel. Now you're just like, eh, let's find a better option. You, at, yeah. the longer you're in the hobby, the more you learn. And it's not so much that it's a better option. Sometimes it's that there are better options. There are better products. Mm-hmm. Because Citadel, Games Workshop, however you want to look at it, they are primarily a model company. So... Their models come first. So the models are high quality. And I'm not saying that their their products, their building products, their painting products, things like that are not high quality. I'm just saying that there are other options, sometimes cheaper options, that are either just as good or they're better. So yeah. it's you don't have to stick to their product. Yeah, Citadel products are perfectly fine, especially their glue. I mean, yeah. I doubt there's any difference between the there's actual not, it's, glue. It's the same chemical makeup. Like if yeah. you look yeah. at them together and read what's in them, it's the exact same chemical. There's no difference. 
you know, when we're talking about the glue specifically, it's just because of the price. Yeah. You know, to me, it's going to be half the price for double the product. So, um, but again, any plastic glue you find should be fine. Um, plastic glue, I'd say if you're just, you know, putting your models together before you paint them, and it's all plastic models, plastic glue is all you need. There are other alternative, but uh, for different situations. For example, um, if you happen to buy upgrades from Forge World, they're going to be in resin. Plastic glue will not work with resin no. part. Right. So in that case, you will have to use super glue, which you can, again, you can find anywhere depending on, you know, spend what you want on it. Um, another instance you'll have to use super glue is if you are one that likes to paint your models before you assemble them, you'll need to use super glue to put them together. Well, um, plastic glue. That's just with that. Ruin it your paint. Yeah, it'll ruin your paint. If especially if you get it on part of what you've already painted, because it'll eat right. through the plastic regardless of what's there. So if you get a little drop of plastic glue on a on like the outside painted, yeah, yeah. You're, it's going to eat through it. So it's and, it's definitely best to do super glue at that point. Yeah, and again, if you're magnetizing your models, you're going to want to use super glue for the magnets also. Yeah, um, things like that. But that's less common, at least for starting out, anyway. It is least common, and but there there is some debate on what is better to use. I'm not going to get into that because uh, personally, I don't care. Uh, I think I think plastic glue is perfectly fine. Some people think super glue is, is the best to use. Uh, it's just your your taste, honestly. Both hey, of them I, can dry just as quickly. I think that's part of the the fun in this, though. Is like there's there's many options for many different things with this, so. Yeah, and it's always uh, choose your own adventure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I prefer, when possible, to just use plastic glue. Uh, it it doesn't stick. It's not as harsh on you know, the stickiness. You know, if you get it on your finger, it'll just kind of roll off. Um, also, I don't think the smell is nearly as strong with the plastic glue as with super glue. I would agree with that. And it dries a lot faster because you got to let super glue cure for a while and stuff too so until it's completely done and they do have various timing like dry time super glues but um honestly the the plastic cement or the plastic glue whichever way you want to call it it does so much better since it actually melts the plastic and turns it into one cohesive thing yeah. i have had pieces break off easily but we're also talking about stuff that's extremely small we're not talking about I haven't had a leg fall off. I've had a hand fall off. Yeah. You know, we're not talking about big pieces. We're talking about itty bitty little tiny, tiny things. So it's just kind of whichever. Just also be prepared. You will have models break. It will happen. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, no. Do not do not worry about it. It's going to suck. The first time you drop that model, you're going to go, oh, my God, did I shatter it? No, it's, it's fine. A little bit of plastic yeah. glue, put it back together, you're good to go. Um, nothing... Nothing in this hobby, because it's all plastic and all being put together, unless somebody takes a hammer to it, you can still put that thing back together. And yeah. even with a hammer, you might be able to, honestly. It depends on how it shatters. I feel like its only weakness would be like fire. Like fire might be the biggest weakness in these things. 
Yes. Yeah, that would probably be the worst. Just, just don't melt it. <laughs> don't melt it. Actually, there's a story. Uh, and Tom, you might have heard this one. So, one of the guys from another podcast, from the Independent Characters podcast, Adon, used to be one of their co-hosts. Uh, he was moving to Arizona, and he has a massive uh, Warhammer collection that spans years. Like he still has metal models and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So he had put his models in his trunk. I can't remember if it was to drive out there or if he was driving around uh, Phoenix, Arizona. But when he stopped to take them out, it had been so hot in the city, in the area, wherever, that it melted the bases that his models were on. Like, just melted them. It's like, oh. So, yeah, you definitely want to keep them away from heat. Um, That being said, you know, they're not going to do that in, like, an attic necessarily, I don't think. But I mean, we're all talking, I mean, yeah. our attic I mean, will get like 130 degrees in Northwest Arkansas. Yeah, and I'm August. sure that's probably still a lot cooler than it was in the in a car trunk <laughs> yeah. in yeah. Arizona in the middle of the desert. But who knows? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I just thought that was a funny story about what, what can happen depending on heat. Um, and right. Of course, excessive cold they'll snap easy, that kind of thing. But. Not uh, yeah, I'd say try to avoid the extremes if possible. Yeah, keep them, you know, in your collection room or or what what you, whatever you have. Yeah. But with that being said, I don't see us having an issue with that. Not where we are in the middle of the U.S. So right, and we're not even in okay. the middle of the U.S. Hey, let's uh, let's uh, take a segue. Uh, so what we've talked about so far have been nippers or cutters. Uh, we've talked about plastic glue versus super glue. Uh, we have talked about files and mold line removers. Um, I'm excited to move on to paint. We need to paint these little gray things. So um, let's move into like, can we talk about primer first and how to prime for paint? Sure, yeah. Um, find a primer. <laughs> like so, like I, I can just go to Lowe's and grab a thing of spray paint. Yes, or primer paint, spray it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just wow. so long as okay. I mean, the the big thing here is okay. So, you, yeah, I mean, primer is primer. Honestly, it's it's not gonna hurt. Don't get like metal primer or I know like Rust Oleum has some that they're meant for metal and things like that. Like, don't do yeah. that. I mean, I got some in my garage right now that'll go on anything. <laughs> yeah, get something like that. I mean, just get a primer, a gray primer, okay. a white primer, black primer, whichever one you want. Uh, Primer is going to work regardless. Um, that's not an issue. Yeah, you can you can just use primer. A one okay. uh, specifically because it's a lot cheaper. Honestly, because you know you you buy a can of primer from like Lowe's, Walmart, Home Depot. You know, take your pick. Uh, it's going to be what eight bucks, something like that. Yeah, it's super cheap. Yeah, if the GW. Uh, Citadel primer is eighteen dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and it's good. It's good. It's good paint. Don't get me wrong. It's good paint, but you don't have to. The biggest problem that you have to worry about when priming your models is making sure that you do not clog the details. You don't want to be two inches from it and just spraying heavily. Um, yeah. Honestly, one of the best tools is, you know, the thing you can get and put on the can and it has like a trigger system. Yeah. Get like that so that you can kind of okay. control a little bit of what you're doing. I wish I had done that with my first models. That would have been the best. 
but you can take that and just kind of spray them and lightly, you know, you, you just kind of dust them. You're not trying to pour paint on them. Yeah. You, I would imagine with something that's small too, you'd get a lot of running if you got too much on it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. If you're, if, if you're using like a primer p- spray paint. Yes. Like I, I, like, I would super think that, close. Yeah. I would think that if, um, airbrushing might be a little bit different, but I've never messed. I've never experienced it myself using airbrush before. Tom, you had something to say, so I'm going to let you say that before we get into the airbrush thing. Yeah, I wanted to provide a bit of an update. Uh, not really a shocker, but the Citadel sprays have gone up in price. I figured. Would you like to guess? What are we talking like $22 now? $23 a can. <laughs> so they went up like 5 bucks. Yeah, um, and I, I, honestly, I think I bought mine. Armor is $35 a can. Holy crap. That's their bright gold, by the way, just in case anybody doesn't know what that is. It's an amazing color, though, honestly. Like, if you want a gold that covers without having to go over it again for a second coat, it's amazing. But I'm yeah. not paying $35 for a can of it. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll choose a second coat. Yeah. Their, their cheapest is Chaos Black, which is $19. Retribute Armor is 30, $34.75, and everything else is $23. Um, I would like to say that's ridiculous. It is, but honestly, you're also talking about this is a specialized company making a specialized color that they have come up with and putting it in their branded cans right. to sell. It's not, it's, it's a business. It's I mean, whatever. It's, it, it makes sense, man. Like it does. It, it, it's, it's geared if you go to, to a hobby store. You're going to pay more for the same thing that you might be able to get somewhere else. Yeah. Like just like a pickup at like Walmart or Lowe's. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it so makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. Now that being said, now, that can of primer, depending on where you get it from, wherever, it's probably going to last you, I don't know what, Tom, probably six, seven boxes of 10 dudes if you're really careful with it. Uh, I don't have any experience painting yet. You would you would have better uh, knowledge about that. I, yeah, and I think I painted, I, honestly, I okay, before I got my airbrush, I probably had primed, uh, mm, Maybe five boxes of guys, maybe less, maybe maybe less. I think, um, and I think I only had one can of of Chaos Black Spray. In fact, I still have it. It still has some paint in it. Um, so it, it one can will last you a good while, but if you can get it for cheaper, you might as well. You're not going to yeah. be worried about it. Or you can do the airbrush. If you do the airbrush, you get a you know, you do the airbrush. You can. You have to buy a couple of things to be able to use the airbrush as a primer. Um, primarily, <laughs> um, you have to get a thinner. Uh, usually, you want to get uh, you know an airbrush thinner or paint thinner. Uh, you want to get something that'll make it so that it's it doesn't dry as soon as it uh, as soon as it hits the model. Yeah, you yeah. want it to so kind you- of stay wet i can't remember what it's called um but you want something like that so you're gonna have to mix in but you know for the most part you're not gonna put half a bottle into an airbrush of this stuff and usually the primer is uh sold in generally i think it's sold in like four or six ounce bottles almost seven ounce bottles you're generally only going to use like 10 drops yeah but you can be able to you do have an airbrush right hunter yeah, I do. I have I th- I three you, or four. 
Right. I love airbrushing. Honestly, it's what saved me in painting. Um, I tried to paint. Um, this was when I was early on, and I know this is going to sound bad because I know there are people out there who painted for years by hand, and they are fantastic painters and they love doing it. That's fine. It's not me. The only way that I could find enjoyment in painting um, was to use the airbrush. And I prime with the airbrush. I paint my first couple of coats, my highlights, things like that um, with an airbrush. And then I will, by hand, go in and do trim details and things like that. It's the only yeah. way that I can find uh, happiness Balance. in it. Yeah, I'd say there's a, there's got to be a balance to it because I, I would find it to be remarkably tedious if I didn't have something to put a put the base down for it. Yeah, and honestly, sense. you can do a base with spray paint. Honestly, like if you wanted to prime with a spray can, and then okay, let me start over. If you wanted to do a whole lot of things, you can do it with spray can. In fact, one of the things that people have gotten into uh, recently have been this uh, slap chop method. Uh, and what that basically means is is that they will take the model, they will prime it in black, and then they will use uh, gray spray paint and white or just white or just gray, whichever. Yeah. And they will, from the top of the model, spray that gray and then spray the white or just the gray or just white, either way. And then they will take contrast paint or speed paint from Army Painter, whoever it is, whatever brand you prefer, they're... they're you know, paint and shade in a bottle and put it on there and do the different colors that way. And it makes it, it you can get an amazing looking model and it didn't take you really any time. Mm. It's quick. It's efficient. It's the, a good way to get an army done. If you have a yeah. whole army, you're trying to paint. like presentable. Exactly. May not, may not turn heads, but it works. Exactly. Well, you'd be surprised. Yeah. Uh, you, you go into some places and just the fact that you have your stuff painted is, an accomplishment in and of itself, honestly. But I'm just saying that, you know, you could spray paint a lot to get your bases down or to do something like that. And then just, I hate to say it, but just slap on, you know, contrast, especially with Raven guard being black, the black Templar contrast paint from GW will give it a black in the shadows and a gray on top look to it. So if you've done that highlighting with the primer, with that gray and the white, and you put that black on it, it's going to already have your all your shading and everything done for you. You would be done yeah. with just one coat. And then all you got to do is just put on some of the details. Like if you want leather belt, you know, a brown leather belt instead of a black, or if you want silver on there somewhere, some crap like that, but you're done. So it makes it extremely easy to get things done if you do it that way. It's the same thing yeah. with an airbrush. So you can do that exact same thing that way. Anyway, everything's a tool. It's just how you use the tool to make things efficient for yourself. That was way too long of a daggum explanation on using primer. Dude, but I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Like I'm, I'm married to an artist, so like this is what I'm looking forward to. So like I hope no, I some of it rubs rubs off on me. And I, for somebody who is not artistic, same. I am not. Yeah. I uh, you know, and that's that's really bad. My mom's a writer. My dad's a comic book artist. My sister is a good artist. Yeah. I have no artistic ability whatsoever. 
Oh, I can design, I have, but I can't draw or color. Yeah. I can't even color in lines. So, uh, like, and the only reason I can color in the lines is because it's there and it was drilled into my head in elementary school. You <laughs> have to never color could. the lines. I'd but get I, like a C plus on like a coloring project in like kindergarten. Yeah. They'd be like, "That's terrible." But <laughs> I really cool stuff. <laughs> I have in painting these models. I have found what. I want to be artistic at, and that makes it help. Yeah. I can watch somebody do something on a video and go, okay, I can mimic that. And mm-hmm. and so I, I do it. And granted, I've had, again, my dad's been over here. He's seen my models. He's And he said they look really good. He likes the way that they're painted. He, he enjoys looking at them. And that's, you know, that's great. I don't know. Coming from a, like a true artist, that's, yeah, that's a good compliment. It says sure. something. And granted, you're still going to look at your work and go, uh, you know, I could yeah, do better. You know, and yeah, everybody can do better. But one of the best things that you can be told is that practice makes you better. So if you yeah. don't paint, you're not going to get better. The more you paint, the better you're going to get. That's also so, like really kind of scary. Like, you know, we, you drop money on these plastic models that are just great coming out of the box or yeah. whatever. And, you know, fear of messing it up, I'm sure could have some sort of um, stigma around painting. Yes, very much. And that's that's For kind sure. of the you do have to get over that. Because yeah. like you know, Shrike is a is expensive model. Yeah, for one it looks one model, awesome. it does. <laughs> but he's not. And, and granted, with Shrike, I'm sure you will be very hesitant to paint him. But you can make him look really good, and it'll be really easy. And it's not a terribly hard scheme, you know, to do. Think about doing something like a Imperial Knight, where you have this huge robot that you've got to paint. You've got heraldry that they prefer for you to have on there. You've got different sides on his armor where one's usually one color and one's different color. And Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be this, you know, you're talking like this is a medieval knight, essentially in the form of a robot. You've got to like, you're supposed to have, you know, kind of step up your game on this. You know, you're supposed to make it look really good. And this is a $170 model that if you screw up, you are then going to have to buy again because you do not have extra carapace armor. Right. Yeah. No, you do not want to screw that up. And it, so it's, there is that fear of, Oh Lord, what am I going to do if I mess this up? What am I, yeah. you know, am I going to make this look bad? I'm, I'm like, I know next episode, we we'll get into that later, but I would be curious to talk about how my experiences went at some point in the next few episodes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's uh I do want to know how that goes because putting them together is a completely different experience and then painting them is a different experience and then letting your kids take one and paint it is a completely different experience Uh, which I know you guys won't get to do but I've done that. I I don't have kids but I would imagine that's uh, you know what uh, clinching. I I let one of the or both the kids uh, paint some war cry models a couple years ago um, that I built for them. And it took everything I had not to stop them from painting it just just so I could do it. I would just walk away, man. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. And I'm glad I didn't. It ended up being a really good experience. They enjoyed it. I'm sure it they was. wanted to do more. And I, yeah. you know, it was something I got to share with them. So I don't regret it. It's just one of those things of like, oh, God, that's a $60 bottle and you just glob paint all over it. <laughs> but yeah. So, yeah. So it, it can it can get frustrating at times, but yet yeah, use anything uh, for primer, um, and we'll get into paint uh, when you want to. You, you, that's when you'll pick out your paint scheme and some of that kind of stuff, and it'll be yeah, 
You know, Raven Guard's a pretty easy paint scheme. I don't know if you noticed. They like, like honestly, uh, yeah, like honestly, like uh, that wasn't a decision, like making reason why I went with them. But I after I looked at them. it, I was like, I can probably paint these guys. Oh yeah, honestly, fairly effective. I'm, I feel pretty confident myself in that one. I'll be and, real and honest. If, like some of the chaos armies, I'm like, I, I couldn't touch that. You'd be surprised. Yeah, maybe. Um, like. I don't know. Some of the chaos armies, depending on which one you're talking about, like most of them, I mean, it's pretty easy. I mean, yeah. you think about that, that, that was like uh, the Harlequins. That was a good like reason for me to be like, that looks really complicated. Yeah. And, like, and yeah, reading yeah. some of the codexes too, was like, oh, this sounds a little not really me, but anyways, that yeah. was one of the reasons why. Yeah. But uh, Tom, what were you going to say? Sorry, dude. Oh, I was going to say, and if you decide, even though you picked Raven Guard, if you wanted to make them, you know, dark purple or whatever color you wanted to, you could still do that. Yeah. You don't have to go just black, but if that's what you like, then by all means. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing is, is like you said, you like the, uh, the kind of their sneak tactics. Uh, everybody knows that. Well, not everybody, I guess, but people know, most people know, some people know, whatever, that black is not a good nighttime color. Like, no. Yeah. There, there is no, like it's dark outside. Okay. Well, it's not black. There's blue there. There's purple. There's red. There's so if you wanted to, you didn't. Even, you wouldn't even have to do black. You could do like Tom said, dark purple or dark blue, yeah. or you know, do some variation or you know, or if uh, you're feeling frisky, do some like nighttime camouflage colors. Yeah, I mean that would be super cool. Um, it's and I honestly I don't think I've ever seen that. I've seen camouflage on some Blood Angels, but not on Raven Guard. I think that'd be really cool to see, actually. Um, so yeah, if you wanted to do that, so you could make it as complicated or as simple as you want to. Yeah, honestly. So you know, pick your color scheme. If you wanted to do black and white like they're traditional, that's super easy. If you want to do it, yeah. white's not easy necessarily, but black would be easy. So. You know, that's and then as far as that goes, you can use, you know, if you wanted to just, you know, if you want to do the slap chop method where you had painted, painted a black primer and did a white highlight and then went back over them with a contrast of, you know, uh, black Templar is the contrast paint or Army Painter has a black uh, speed paint, things like that. It's going to give you those variations in shade, especially if you've done some of the highlighting on it. Um so it'd be super simple. It's extremely easy to get. It's, you know, the, it wouldn't take you long. If you wanted to do it in a more uh, detailed way, you could just prime them white or black, rather, sorry, and then go through and paint them black again and then highlight up from a, the black to the gray and just get lighter and lighter, you know, yeah. and, and do that kind of stuff. But that's going to take you a while. I mean, if you think about doing that kind of stuff and it takes you five, six hours to do one model, over the course of an army, that's a long time. So you're going to want to find a way to, to keep your paint scheme simple enough that you can do it quickly, um, but not so simple that you're unhappy with the result. Sure, yeah. And my dog's in here. I can hear his nails going clickety-clack. Hey, Sam. <laughs> So, um, but anyway, so what's next, guys? What do you want to know about next? Or is there more you want to know about paint? 
I think we're good on paint. Um, okay. I, I think we covered um, some really good information in episode one on paint. And yep. um, I guess like right now, um, I mean, we can, you know, talk about. Uh, let's see. Like kind of putting the parts together. I know we've talked about how to glue it, stuff like that. But I mean, like I haven't opened my even opened my box yet. So okay. are there um, like kit directions as soon as you open it? Um, you know, we can also talk about kit bashing a little bit. Yeah, we can do that. Hang on. Uh, let's uh. Real quick, let's take a break. I'm going to see what's going on with my dog, because if he's up here, he probably needs to go out. Uh, so yep. let's take a break for just a minute. And uh, when we come back, we'll get into uh, putting the box together. Sounds Now. All right, guys, welcome back. Sorry about the, the quick break there, but uh, we, we were leaving. We were just about to start discussing on kind of just like the directions. Uh, we were going to talk a little bit um, about that, maybe going to some kid bashing um, and then some conversions. So, um, so my first question before we left with this topic was, does it come with instructions? Yes. Thank God. <laughs> Every box comes with instructions. Um, like newer boxes, I will say have well detailed instructions that are fairly easy to follow. Um, except for some of the ones that have different options on them. But uh, some of the older kits, ooh, boy, they, they can be difficult to follow. Yeah. So when they, guess all of the boxes have instructions. Okay. Now the instructions, you're, if you're looking at them, it's almost like a CAD drawing. Um, and it'll have, you know, step one, step 1A, one 1B. One and whenever there's a, a part that has different options for you to do, it'll you know, break it down and show you this is what you do for this option. This is what you do for this other option. So they're pretty self-explanatory. Once you build a couple, uh, you'll, you'll pretty much know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, after your second box, you'll pretty much be going through it and going, okay, I know that I need to clip off these five legs, these five chests, these five heads, and then this arm for each one, and then put them all together. It'll be super simple. Um, but first, first couple of times through, you're definitely going to want, especially first times through on a new box, you're going to want to kind of follow the instructions and see what you're supposed to do. Now you can stop right. midway through the instructions and figure out if you want to do something different with it, or you know, add this little different thing to it that they're not doing. Because um, a lot of them come with um, not only you know the different options for different people, but they'll have different uh, little attachments that you can put on there, embellishments for yeah. different models. Uh, one thing I would recommend is maybe getting the app and deciding what exactly the the loadout each of your troops is going to have in that squad, because you can only do so many you know special weapons or or things like that. Yeah, and you're talking about the uh, the Warhammer uh, 40k app, uh, the the yeah. army builder, army roster builder. Yeah, so you can, if you download that, you can see exactly what each squad can have in it. You know, most of a squad will have basically the same stuff, but there's options for heavy weapons, there's options for special weapons, um, things Sometimes, like that. Sometimes, depending on the mod, the kit you're building, there's options for every single one of them. Yeah, which is so, rarer now with the last edition or two, but... Uh, you can still, I think there's still a couple of squads of Space Marines that can have, every single one of them can have something different. 
Yeah. So. Yeah, I would say, you know, have a plan of how it's going to go before you start putting them together because you don't want to build something you necessarily can't use. Um, so that, that would be my only caveat, just, uh, uh, you know, not just open it up and just start putting together. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the problem. And of course that'll happen with edition changes as well. You may build something for 10th edition that come, you know, come 11th edition, whenever that happens, it, it's no longer legal. Uh, I did that. I bought a $60 model to convert for a Drukhari army, got the conversion done, hadn't even painted it yet. Ninth edition came out and, oh, you can't use those options anymore. <laughs> and so it was one of those things that, well, crap, what do I do? I, you know, put this all through with, you know, plastic glue. You can't, plastic glue, the only way to get plastic glue off is to put more plastic glue on it and try and take it off as easily as possible. But, you, you know, it's still kind of one of those things, well, I just spent all this time doing this. Now I have to take yeah. it apart. It's kind of this, you know, it hurts a little bit. So, but it is something you definitely want to look at what your what your options are before you build them because some of the boxes may have come out in two or three previous editions. So, yeah, they have some rules on the back of them usually in like the back couple of pages. It'll tell you what can be put on. It'll have the data sheet, but that data sheet could be wrong now. Yeah, right. You really have to be careful about what you're doing with that. Uh, most of the time, it's pretty um, pretty much the same. Like an intercessor squad like you got, they're going to get bolters or assault bolters, and their sergeant can have different options. That's been the same since mid-8th edition. Um, and I say mid because at the beginning of 8th, they couldn't use power fist, power weapons, uh, the chainsword, all that kind of stuff. They could only right. use a bolter. So depending on how old the kit is that you picked up um, and where you got it from, I just mean like if somebody had an old stock, it could still say that, hey, they don't have any options. They can only take a bolter. Or it could say, hey, the sergeant can take all this stuff as well. So it's just kind of dependent on what's in there and what you're looking at. Uh, okay. Best, best up-to-date stuff right now, again, is the index that was uh, put out for download on Friday on the Warhammer community site. It has all of the options for those models and what they're supposed to have. So right now that index card is the most current updated, current option ability. Okay. So, so yeah, so have a, have a bit of a plan at least before you start building. Um, next we can kind of go into kit bashing a little bit. If for people that are not familiar with kit bashing, kit bashing, you can take parts from a different one model kit and use them as decoration or whatever for another model kit. This would be like uh, when you use the Raven Guard upgrade sprue because the kit doesn't come with shoulder pads that have the Raven Guard emblem on them. You are now taking it from another kit and putting it onto the main yeah. box of intercessors. So kit bashing. Yeah. Kit bashing is more pretty much it's, it's customization is, you know, making something more. Is there, for your is style. there ever a time with kit bashing where it'll affect your gameplay? Like would it ever be like, Hey, you can't use that. Yes. In, okay. Like, so say in particular, so, 
Uh, let's go with Drukari. This is completely separate from Space Marines, but we'll go with it. All right, so yeah. you have, uh, in particular, one of the uh, sub-factions of the Drukari is the Homunculus Covens. These are your flesh crafters. They're kind of... Uh, they do weird stuff. Anyway, the Homunculus, which is their leader, he comes with a certain set of uh, arms. He has an arm with a pistol and an arm with, like, an injector. One time you could kit bash from their other kit of uh, racks. Mm -hmm. They come with a lot of the same options as the homunculus, but you could put, uh, according to the edition when I bought them, you could use an electro-corrosive whip from the racks on the homunculus. So right. I was going to kit bash that to do it because I like the whips. Well, when ninth edition came out, now that whip, you can't use that on a homunculus. So now that kit bashing is, is you can't do it. Uh, so you would have to take it off and put it back on. So that, yes, there is instances where you could kit bash something and, oh gosh, I can't do this anymore. And yeah. that's where like a magnetizing or super glue, because you can take super glue, if you put it into a stripper or like uh, LA's Super Awesome or uh, Green... Not green stuff. Green stuff is the molding stuff. Um, what's the green colored stuff that's extremely caustic? It's a good degreaser. Uh, uh, purple power is another version of it. You I know what I'm talking about. about. I can't think of it yeah. either. I don't know why. Uh, but if you take that and you put models that have <clears throat> been built with super glue and you put them in there to strip paint and that kind of stuff, the super glue will actually deteriorate and yeah. come off. So. That's another option if you use super glue and you've kit bashed and now you've got to you know get it off. Plastic glue, I really think the only way to get plastic glue off is seriously to just add a little bit of plastic glue where you can and let it kind of run into the seam where you glued it and you can get it because it'll it'll reawaken that process. Yeah, it'll essentially it just yeah. So that's the only way that you can really do that. But yeah, there are times that you'll kit bash and you'll be like, ah crap, now I gotta redo this. Okay. It's not often, but and, it happens. And kit bashing can, you know, it doesn't have to be just weapons or anything. It can be purely aesthetic stuff. Yeah. And I would assume whenever you're just doing aesthetics, it's not going to matter. It's just. No, 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 no. Okay. The only time it matters is when it's an option that'll be, that'll give you. Like uh, a weapon. Yeah. Like a weapon or height differences. Like if you. So Space Marine is a certain height. If you do something to raise them above that height, um, like technically space Marines should be as low to the base as possible with their feet. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you're playing a game, if you're playing a game and you've got terrain all set out, they're at a specific height and, and that's where they're at. So line of sight is a, is a thing in the game. We'll get into that in a rules episode. But if you decide that you're going to put all of your space Marines on a 10 inch rock or, right stump or something like that then you get into an issue because now they might be above the line of terrain and so now they can see things that your right. opponent may not it, be it able would, to it would be uh quote unquote an advantage exactly it would be a, yeah. you know an unfair advantage and people call it modeling for advantage and that's that so you can get into some issues there but generally no. I mean, if you do a little bit of a rock, like, you know, kind of like a slate shelf or a cork yeah. shelf on the, it, that's not going to be a big deal. 
it's only when you get to the point where it's giving them so much height that they can see over things where your opponent wouldn't be able to see over something else. Makes makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah, like your your Kayvon Shrike model, he's a little bit higher up, you know. But if you wanted to do something, you know, two or three times that size, then you could be running into an issue. And also on that particular model, uh, at least when it came out, there was an issue where people were taking him off of that and putting him lower. And that was modeling for advantage because he's supposed to be a certain height. He has a certain silhouette. So you're not necessarily supposed to make him any shorter than what he's supposed to be. Because, again, now if you take him off that rock, you're lowering him down so that he's not in line of sight so much. So now you're modeling for advantage of being able to keep him alive longer. Basically, as long as you're not really adjusting any of the mechanics that would apply to them, you should be fine. Yeah. And also, so long as you're not doing it to be malicious, most people aren't going to care. I mean, most people are going to know, oh, you just made it so he's a little bit shorter because you didn't like to rock. Okay, cool. But if you, you know, put him on a base and he's flat, then it's going to be like, okay, well, he's supposed to be a little bit higher, you know. And those are uh, honestly, okay, just a quick aside for that. I do not know of any place where you can find that particular rule. Honestly, that is like an unwritten rule when playing. And it's that one's kind of one that you have to watch out for because not a lot of people will, nobody's going to really do it maliciously. You'll know right. the people who do it maliciously because they will argue with you all day long that it's perfectly fine. And, <laughs> and you'll no, know fine. who they are. You know what I'm talking about. Like you'll have yeah. those malicious people who you can tell you did this maliciously so that you would have an advantage. Um, but it's kind of an unwritten rule of the models are supposed to be on their base the way that they are produced. Yeah, that's the way they're intended. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anywhere that says anything about that that I've been able to find. I could be wrong, but that is that is just a thing that will come up. So, anyway, sorry. But, yeah, yeah so that would thing, be kit bashing. Yeah, one, one kit bash that I did, um, when we first got into it, I got... You know, half of all the starting boxes that we split, me and Hunter split, with the Death Guard in it. So, at the time, all the starting battle boxes had easy build models in it for for the Death Guard. One model in particular, the Fetid Bloat Drone, um, you can buy this separately, and it comes with multiple different options. But the easy build version came with one set of weapons, one you know, faceplate, one kind of aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought that. I liked the faceplate on it. And I had another couple of bloat drones that I had bought separately. So I kit bashed. I took, you know, the faceplate off of that and put it on another one um, that had different weapon options. So not like a crazy kit bash, but it wasn't, they didn't, fit together automatically. I had to do some cutting and some molding on that. Right. Um, you know, that, that's about the most extreme that I've done so far on mine. But I wish I did something. Good. Yeah, that one actually did turn out looking really good, though. Like, you, you, by the time you got done, you couldn't even tell that it was a separate kit. Like, you yeah. did an excellent job on that one. Because there was like, I think in the regular fetid bloat drone kit, there's two or three faceplates and then two or three different weapon options. 
So I, I had bought two of the separate kits. And I think it was, I think there was two faceplate options. So I had that third option, but I wanted to put it with a different weapon that came from the standalone kit. Right. So I had to, I had to do a lot of cutting and a lot of filing down, but I finally made it work. Yeah. And that's another thing. When, when some of those kits are the easy build, they are, they are different. Even if it's like, if you get an intercessor box, that's a regular box. Now it's not easy build. It's meant to use glue and that kind of stuff. Whereas if you get like a starter kit, like the new edition boxes and things like that, they might have them in there. They're, they're meant to be press fit in. Um, and they're, they're a little bit different. The sprues are different. Yeah. So, And as far as the easy build kits too, even though, you know, they'll say you're not, you don't have to use glue. I always use glue anyway, just for that little extra security so that I know they don't come apart as easily. Yeah. And some of the 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 socket pieces, like uh, the press fit in, eh, they don't press in very well. So just yeah. you know, your mileage may vary. Three, yeah, if there was a little hole that you're supposed to put a pin in, uh, I've come across one or two that the pin was like five millimeters too long. So there was just this huge gap. And luckily I was able to pull it out before the glue set. Yeah. Because once it's set, I wouldn't be able to do anything. Yeah, and that being said, you know, honestly, once you put together a couple of boxes, you won't even need the easy fit because you'll know what's going on. You can kind of clip those off and just glue it together. Okay. Yeah, that's what, after that experience, I always, if there was anything that ever had a little pin that was supposed to push into a socket, I would cut it about halfway off. Yeah. Just to know that it would fit flush. But pinning, pinning is a different story. Uh, the pins will kind of keep it a little bit more sturdy. Pinning, on the other hand, is what you do with when you drill into it and take a piece of metal and put it in there so that it actually holds together better. Usually, we would do that on resin models and things like that. Some resin models right. are nice enough you don't have to, but you definitely want yeah, to. Yeah, I've looked at some of the models. resins. Those those do look pretty nice. Which, well, now when you say you looked at the resin, are you talking about the ones on Forge World? Oh, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, the, the Forge World ones are nice. Uh, it depends on which ones you're looking at. Some of them are really nice, and some of them are, hmm. But uh, just don't 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 buy fine cast. Whatever you do, okay. do not buy fine cast. If you see and it says fine cast, don't buy it. There there's some that you can get that they are okay, and then there's other ones that you get and they're just nope at all. Uh, so yeah, yeah. And they can be they have a tendency to get warped. They can also be very brittle. Yeah, uh, and then resin you know, is a pain. Yeah. Plus, you have to wash it. Like it, since it can yeah. have, yeah. Well, since it has like a residue on it when when yeah. they the mold release, they they try and get that off before they ship them out. But it's always best to go ahead and wash them in like Dawn in a small like a soft toothbrush to get them really clean so that they'll hold. Because glue won't hold on it if it's got any on there. Paint won't stick to it. Like all kinds of stuff. So it's if you get resin, it's definitely better to to wash that stuff before right. you start working with it. So. Because uh, you can kit batch with some resin because they will, they do occasionally have resin upgrade kits uh, for Space Marines. It's not the mm -hmm. best thing to do, and most Space Marine chapters now have uh, the upgrade kits uh, like Raven Guard does, but there are still some that have uh, 
resin kits or fine cast kits, things like that. So right. it, it's something you could run into. I doubt you will because they are trying to move a lot of stuff to plastic, if not everything, but it's still a, an issue going forward. So, And if you want to get anything like from Forge World, that would be like, you know, say you happen to see something from the Horus Heresy that looks really good. Most of the time that stuff is in resin. Um, even yeah. though all their stuff now is coming out in plastic, even their upgrades that they've recently released for the new edition for that game have all been in, pl- in uh, resin. Right. Yeah. For whatever reason. So, yeah. So if you if you do get into resin, just let us know. And we'll walk you through some of that. That one that one's a little bit hard, and that could be its own. Yeah, I think episode. it'll be down the road. I'm not, yeah. I'm not looking to get into it. I've, I've just seen. I can't give examples, but I've seen um, a couple of different builds that were resin. That I thought I just thought they looked pretty neat. Yeah, they can so, look really good. I've stuck to plastic as much as I possibly can. So have I, <laughs> except for one demon prince. But that's more of a conversion than it was a kit bash. So that was a that was a pain, which 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 does kind of segue us into our conversion topic. So conversions, on the other hand, from kit bashing, even though kit bashing is technically kind of a conversion, a conversion would be you taking a model kit and either through sculpting your own stuff or through using something that is definitely not intended to be part of that kit, uh, making it part of another set. Uh, so, for example, the old Chaos Demon Prince kit, um, it's not the greatest. It's short. There's not a whole lot of really unique options for it. Uh, so, a lot of people convert them. Uh, when I decided to do it, I was going to convert it with the uh, Zinch Lord of Change. I had thought about using that, and I had also thought about using another a fantasy model from G from Games Workshop in Sigmar called a cockatrice, which is this big bird. Uh, and I was going to, it's all resin. So it was like, okay, well, I'm going to have to cut off this dude's head to put it together on this body. And there's a bit of a scale difference here. So trying to get all that worked out. Um, eventually, I didn't do the cockatrice. I did use the Lord of Change head, but usually you'll have to use green stuff or some other kind of modeling pieces to bridge the gap literally um because you're gonna want you're gonna have gaps you're gonna have uh issues with making those fit properly so you're gonna want to put those together so that's more of a conversion type deal um okay generally that's not something you're gonna want to do right away no. you're gonna do a little bit you, you might you know go like oh hey it'd be really cool to to sculpt some different hair or to, uh, you know, put some vines or something on a base or, you know, small, small little things that you can do that can make it a little bit different. That's fine. But starting out, I doubt you're going to do a whole lot of conversions and things like that. So, so weird question. Let's say I have a 3d printer at home. Okay. Could I use my own print as a conversion? Yes. Would that be allowed? If you're yes. playing casually, like friends or at your local game store, I don't think there would be much of a problem. If you're playing in tournaments or something like that, I would probably steer clear. Yeah, most most tournaments um, most tournaments will not let you do that. They're you know kind of a okay. So it's really tough to t- to say because that's really up to the tournament organizer's discretion. 
That being okay. said, if you are playing a GW event, so like the U.S. Opens that they've started doing the past couple of years around the country, mm-hmm. uh, no. You have to use... You <laughs> so have it's a hard use, no. Yeah, it's a hard, hard no. Like, yeah. you have to use all GW kits. Um, okay. That's a hard no. It, the, the kit can be old as, you know, as old as we are, but it still has to be from Games Workshop. Right, uh, yeah. If, if you're going into your local store, most people aren't going to have a problem with that. I will say, though, just to put it out there, most local game stores do have a policy of buy here, play here. So that's something to watch out for. You know, especially being new to it, if you decided to go to a local store uh, to talk about trying to play and that kind of stuff, some of them do have a buy here, pay here, or play here policy. So, you know, in which, as far as that goes, all you have to do is say, okay, well, I'm just getting into this. Let me buy this one model or one kit that you know you're going to need anyway. So they they could refuse to sell it to me if I refuse to play there. No, 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 no. Other way around. Other, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. I was like, yeah, that's hardcore. No, no. Yeah, I'm sorry. Buy here, play here. Not play here, buy here. Sorry. So other way around. They could refuse to let you play because you didn't buy it there. Now... I've never seen a store do that, yeah. but it's just there. Some people can be that. that I mean, uptight about it. I, I mean, think if not, you're if you're going to a place to play, I think it'd be common courtesy to buy something here or there. You don't have to buy everything. No, 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 yeah. from them. But throw them a little bit of cash, especially if they don't charge you per table. True. Then yeah. you know, every now and then buy something from them, even though yeah. it may cost a little more. Then you could find it somewhere else. Okay. And like Tom and I's local store that we go to, they have that kind of policy. Granted, I've never really seen it strictly enforced. That being said, the guy who owns the store, he knows if you've been in there before. He knows if you spend money with him, that kind of thing. But uh, And they have a table uh, cost, especially since the pandemic, uh, of $5 per per person to play a game. That being said, you pay that $5 at the beginning of the game. And if you buy something while you're there, that's not Coke candy, you know, whatever, they'll give you the money back or apply it towards your, towards what you're purchasing. So it's not like it's a big deal. It's just something to be aware of when you go, Mm -hmm. you know, because some, some, some people can be really uptight about it. Some people, they'll let it go there, you know, with whatever. Uh, but most local stores, they'll be happy to just get somebody else, somebody new in to play that chances are that they won't have that kind of issue. Yeah, I mean, I would just assume that that's a, just a traffic driver for them. Yeah, yeah, and it should you know, be. Uh, conversion, you know, capitalize on it while they're there. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and that's that's the whole point of, that's what this should be, is it's, there shouldn't be any reason for anybody to keep you out of the hobby. It should be definitely a thing of like, oh, you're wanting to get into this. You're new. So <laughs> yeah. let's let's find a way for us to get you in here, get you playing. Let's find yeah. you know, what you know, what do you not know, that kind of thing. Yeah, thing. sorry. I, uh, I heard that completely backwards. I was like, no, wow. it's, it's all good. I was like, wait, what? what? <laughs> no, they will never they will never refuse to sell you something. But I've heard of places that will refuse to let you play if you don't buy things. If you don't there. buy it. That makes more sense. Okay. So and, and also on top of that, if you go to a GW store, um, mm-hmm. you want to make sure that all your models are GW models. Right. They usually do not like for any other models to come in like 3D printed models. But 
Yes. Uh, to your original question, if you were able to 3D print like shoulder pads. Yeah, I'm not or, talking about anything game changing. I like. Yeah. Just, if I just wanted to make some aesthetics to make it look yeah. a little bit better, or how if, would you, that if you wanted play? to do like modeled bases, you know that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, that's perfectly fine, and that's honestly, if you can and you have the ability, go for it because yeah. it'll just it'll make your stuff stand out more. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and, and there's plenty of STL files online for that kind of stuff. I know Thingiverse oh, yeah. has tons of them for Space Marines for every. Uh, Army in 40k. There's stuff on Thingiverse. There's stuff on. Uh, there's one that where they've already printed it out. And I can't remember the name of it. Um, but anyway, there's plenty of sites online that have all that kind of stuff that's ready to go. Uh, and then there's like full on companies like uh, Death Ray Designs, um, Six Squared Studios uh, in Canada. They do model bases they do 3d printed pieces for your army or or bases as well um some of them do different stuff uh so it's just kind of you know whatever you want to print right so but uh but yeah so it's, it's just kind of conversions can be one of those things where you can have a lot of fun so you know, so hey, uh, as we're kind of getting closer to the end of this episode, um, I kind of want to talk about next steps uh, for myself. So we've just we've talked about a whole lot of you know tools that I'll need, paint, um, the different types of you know parts you can kind of mix match together. Um, so what's next for me? Is it get this ready, buy more models? What are we looking at? Well, let's let's go through that because uh, let's see what you want to do. Okay. So if if you are, because you already mentioned it earlier in the episode about playing Kill Team. Yeah. If you wanted to build and paint the models that you've got and just jump into a game, you, you can do that with so what I'm you've got. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Just get them and, ready. Yeah, and you can play Kill Team. If okay. you wanted to do um, an actual game of 40K, right now I'd say hold off because 10th edition will be out in two weeks. Uh Rules are already out, but they're still releasing the index cards for armies, so hold off on doing a 40K game anyway or thinking about it. But if you want to do a full 40K force to play a game of 40K as your first game, uh, you'll need to buy more models. Yep. Um, you already have a leader, which is great. You have your first set of troops, which is great. Um that being said, I don't remember exactly what you have to have for the smallest game of 40K, which would be boarding actions, which does have a little slightly different rules. Um, I know in 8th edition, what he's got is all you needed. Yeah, for the smallest game. I think it was like a, a patrol size game, something like that. Um, so you could play a full game of 40K. It just doesn't scale very well at that point sure. value and we'll discuss points at a later time uh personally uh, unless you are just itching to, well i'm sure you're itching to buy more models but unless you are like i've got to have this next thing i would stick with what you've got and see i'm maybe right now i'm i'm more of i want to get what i have built painted like i want to go through this whole process like i've, I've got what i got right now I want to get it ready. Like that's that's that then that, that I think that's what this episode was all about. And I think we did it yeah. for you guys did a really good job explaining it to me and what I need to do next. 
Yeah, well, in that case, if that's what you want to do, what I would say is just build and paint what you've got, and then let's, you know, let's get you in a game at Kill Team. Let's explain the rules for that. Let's, you know, take our, take our time learning something like that because you're going to be able to use the models that you've got um, in, in a much more effective way than, it, than you would if you were trying to do a 40K game. Right. Um, so, again, it, it is one of those things of like, okay, well, you bought your first little bit. Well, what are you... What do you want to play? Are you want to play Kill Team? Are you wanting to play uh, 40K with all the complex rules and stratagems and everything else that goes into it? Or are you just wanting to be able to play with what you have right now? Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of kind of the deal. And Kill Team being a skirmish game that it is with only needing one unit or you know two units, potentially depending on how the, the team is made up, makes it very easy for with a beginner buyer to buy one thing of models, get them built, get them painted, and start playing. So, so right now, like if I if I chose kill team, I uh, strike I would not use at this point, right? My leader correct. would not be used. Okay, no, because you're technically your leader in kill team is like a squad leader, sure, so a, a sergeant. Yeah, I don't know if they call them sergeants or not. I think they're now just squad leaders. Yeah, Either that's way. everything I've seen is just a squad leader. Yeah, so you would just use the squad leader as your leader, and then yep. the rest of your guys would be if you depending on how you play kill team. So they have different specialisms and things like that that you don't really have to get into, especially not for a casual first time game. Uh, but it does have enough complexity that you feel like you're actually playing a game. It's not just move, shoot, move, die, yeah. that kind of thing. Like it's an actual. There's a complexity to the system that that gives you a full feeling of a game. Uh, and once you know, it gives you the nice little brain fog that Warhammer gives you of this is too much <laughs> at one time. Honestly, nah. uh, no. <laughs> trust me, you play you play a forty k game and let that thing last for three hours while you're trying to do it because that's what a standard game might run. Yeah, uh, there are times when you will be just so brain fogged because you can't remember what's going on. It, the 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 mental exhaustion can be heavy depending on what I mean like just just trying to learn this is exhausting sometimes and yeah. I have to walk away from it for a day or two and uh, come back to it so yeah I mean it's it's great fun it's wonderful but there there's so much to know and so much yeah, to do I, and so I, much to look at so as as the beginner here I will say that um as I've tried but but what my objective with our podcast has been is to kind of grow as we talk about it so I I feel more engaged in getting into this than I did before. Uh, so it's been so far for me, it's been really cool. Well, good. I'm glad I'm, I'm hoping that that's what we can keep doing. Yeah. Cause I don't and want I, you, I, if you get bored with it, then that's going to yeah, suck. No. <laughs> but that's why we, we keep, we keep punching in the lore, man. I know you guys punch in that lore. paper cuts, right? And, oh, we and when you start slow, make sure you're still enjoying what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, and give me a few episodes, and I'll introduce you to other modeling companies, and we can start looking at those games. <laughs> you think I'm joking? Oh my yeah, god, I've spent a but, whole week looking at one game system. Yeah, I think uh, from from my beginner standpoint, also I do want to say uh, to anybody who is listening to this, who is just now getting into the hobby, is just uh, don't overdo it. Uh, don't overload yourself with information through codexes and all the lore stuff like that don't do all that right now yeah uh, just, just 
just look at high level stuff and figure out what army looks cool to you. Um, you know what, but then that's exactly what I did. I was like, I, I play a crap ton of RPGs. I like stealth. I like fast hitting, moving, uh, stuff like that. That's why Raven guard really called to me. So what I would suggest is just don't overdo it and become burnout on it so quick. Yeah. Cause if you stick with, cause out. if you stick with it, yeah, because if you stick with it, and I mean, it's just like any other hobby. It's going to be hard in the beginning, but if you stick with it, I think that you do find it to be a little more rewarding than you would think. I would agree with that. And the one of the, I wouldn't say worst. It's it's probably one of the number one things that I would tell people not to do that Tom and I did in the very beginning. Uh, I bought a a uh, start collecting box at the time and got it built up. And instead of going, okay, well, now let me get a different box after this and just one box. I was like, hey, Tom, let's let's buy a, a box of the Dark Imperium set for 8th edition and, and we'll split it. And we did that. And then two months later, it was like, hey, this box of set is going away. They're not discounted, but you want to buy another one? And, and by the time we ended up with it, what, Tom? I, I think we had a, two Dark Imperium sets we bought two or three of the uh, No, No, no Fierce. Fear. Yeah, but by the time, like in two months, I think we ended up with like 4,000 points worth of an army between the two of us. Or no, like each. I don't mean like yeah. combined. I mean each. And it was overwhelming. Like We had so much plastic sitting around. Now where I was hobby <laughs> neutral because I didn't have anything else to build, now I had all this stuff. And guess what? I actually don't have any of that stuff to build. I finally finished all of it uh, before ninth edition came out, but I can tell you right now, my pile of shame or my pile of opportunity, depending on how you want to look at it is um, massive to say the least. So don't overload yourself. It, it can be very bad. Yeah. We got, it, we got caught up on uh, the value, uh, you know, because this this hobby can be has expensive, to say the least. Uh, that's why we did that. We split the boxes, and so we were getting more value f- for the dollar. You know, instead of just buying the squads themselves, and that's what you'll find with most of the battle boxes. Or every holiday, they come out with uh, battle force boxes. Um, so the bigger bundles you get tend to be less money per squad or per model. So you kind of, there's a better value there. We got caught up in that and we wanted huge armies and we did just that. <laughs> so, yeah, I think at last count I had, and granted it's been about, it's probably been three years since I counted up how much I've got. And when I say points, I mean the points that each model mm-hmm. costs to play the game. Yep. Last count, I think I had five or six thousand points of Blood Angels. And to put that in perspective, Kill Team, you're probably playing with, I don't know, 30, 40 points of a Warhammer army. 50, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, a full tournament game of 40K is only 2,000. So (laughs) to have three or four times that much. That's a huge army. Yeah. And to be quite honest, unless that's your goal, you don't need that much. 
Mm-hmm. It's nice to have. I mean, honestly, it's really cool. It's nice to have it sitting out and me be able to look at Space Marines and go, oh, those are awesome. 80% of that I'll never be able to use. Because you just, you'll never, either you don't put them in a game or you don't have enough points to put everything in a game. You're just never going to use all of it at one time. It'd be awesome, but it's just, it's not going to happen. Not unless you're playing an Apocalypse game. Yeah. And that that's going to be a lot. I was going to say, you know, they every seems like every few years they do come out with a version of what they call Apocalypse, which is a bigger scale version of 40K. Yeah, but so, they generally have rules to make it move a little bit faster as opposed to the literal 12 to 14 hours that it would take you to play a game that size. I was going to say, I bet that take a while. Rules. Oh, yeah. God, yeah, dude. So it's it, it looks really cool when you have that many models. But don't don't think about doing that immediately. It really it, it can get so overwhelming so fast. Yeah. So yeah. Slow slow your pace. Don't don't go overboard. So yeah. so that is my questions? number one advice. <laughs> you got any other questions at the moment? No, I, I feel like this is getting easier and easier every every episode. So that's good. Uh, well, I don't say easier. That's not exactly what I mean, but it's um, becoming less foreign. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It makes more sense to me now. Yeah, and, that, and that's good. That's a good thing because I know it's also one of those things. If it's kind of like playing video games. If you don't know what somebody's talking about, give it a week or two with you playing it, and yeah. you will. Yeah, kind of like 100%. You know, anything. So hopefully we haven't bored anybody to tears. Hopefully we made you laugh a little bit. Hopefully you'll come back next week. Uh, as always, you know, if you have any questions, comments, please leave it uh, on our rating on YouTube, or you can uh, send us an email. Uh, email at it's hammerheadwargaming at gmail.com. And uh, you can send us an email with what you'd like to hear, what you'd like to do. Um, if you have any questions about armies or how you would build them or paint them or whatever, I mean, not paint them. I'm not giving you, I'm not, I don't want to give anybody, <laughs> we, we don't want that color smoke, advice. <laughs> no, but you know, I don't want that. But if you, you know, have any questions about how to, how to do something or what we, what you, you know, a good option, we, we can give you our opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, but please, you know, follow us on Facebook if you want to at Hammerhead Wargaming. Uh, again, send us your emails if you want to and, uh, leave us, uh, some, iTunes reviews or podcast reviews wherever you listen to us. Yep. Uh, let us know what we're doing good or doing bad, and you know we, we would like to hear that. It'd be nice to be able to respond to it. Yeah, we will be diligent and swift to respond to any criticism or positive feedback. I prefer criticism. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I Let's me know them. I do want there's some positive. Still, I deal with too much criticism in my daily life anyways. Let's do some positive stuff. Yeah. Now, you know, I definitely want some positive. I want positive reviews if I can get them, but I will take the criticism <laughs> so that we know what we're doing right. Oh, we definitely will. I can um, take it on the chin. Yeah. Next, uh, I do want to um, change up uh, some stuff for next week, uh, how we're doing stuff, or the next episode, rather. Um, so... Next next time you may have a different format, so just just be aware so you're not uh, surprised on that. All right. But uh, anyway, it's right. been wonderful talking to everybody again, and uh, we will talk very soon. I'm sure. Yes. yes. Thanks for sticking around and uh, listening to us jabber on. <laughs> Always a pleasure, right. guys. Thank you. All right, guys. I will talk to y'all later.
thank you for sticking with us through our third official episode. For a sneak peek at episode 4, we will be diving into 10th edition rules. We know we're a little late on reporting, but we feel like the new players out there could really benefit. I know I can. This will be a two-part episode to ensure that we cover everything that needs to be covered. It might get a little confusing, but by the end of it, we should all have a good understanding of the rules for the 10th edition. As always, keep questioning, keep exploring, and keep embracing the many possibilities that lie ahead. Stay curious, my friends.